0: Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Father, we come to you thanking you for your goodness, thanking you for your presence, and God, as we stand or assemble in this place, here together, or even virtually, God, we do so in unison and recognition of the peace that you can grant, God, we thank you for the reality that you are present, and that as we sing, we sing not to just some distant God who maybe one day will allow us to to be close to him or to come into his presence. But instead, God, we recognize that you are here now. That because of your spirit, we can experience your goodness, your love. We can experience a peace, Father. Peace. God, may you calm all of our hearts this morning. May you calm all the things, the storms we're walking through. Calm the winds that are blowing in our lives calm the seas and allow us, God, just to recognize that you are in our boat. You're the captain, you're the guide, you're the director. You are good, you are all-powerful. And so, God, as we walk through this time together, may this be an outpouring of our love for you, our devotion, our embrace of your goodness. May this be an opportunity for us together to glorify you through praise, through worship, through adoration, through edification of the the body, through listening and engaging in your word and through conviction and encouragement, through giving. God, through all the spiritual disciplines you call for us to do as we come together corporately. And so God, thank you for your presence, for the peace that we have, God, I pray that you would take the offerings that are given today, the tithes, the the special gifts that we give, and that you would use them, God, for the betterment of your kingdom. May you take them, may you multiply them, may you bless them for the betterment of your work so that more might call upon your name. Thank you, Father, for you are good. And all of us said together, amen. And if you haven't already, you may be seated at this time. I'm going to hang on to this, I think, right now, if that's okay. Well, hey, I know that most of them already left the platform, but uh, I'm sure they can hear you. Would you just show your appreciation to the Youth Praise Band for ushering us into uh, the presence of the Spirit this morning, certainly using their gifts to glorify God, and uh, what what an awesome thing it is to see not necessarily the church of tomorrow leading us, but the church of today, because that's what they are, and so what an exciting thing this is. I want to welcome you today. My name is Steve Warner and I serve as the lead pastor here at Christ Community and I'm, I'm excited for this morning. There's a lot of things going on, certainly praise team here. Uh, this morning we're finishing a series and at the same time we're getting ready to, to launch into something new as we move into the next series and some events that are coming up. Uh, here at the end of this month and into november as well uh, some things to note in your bulletin one if you are uh, joining us for the first time we do want to encourage you to fill out the connect card it's in the seat in front of you there's a pocket there uh, just grab that fill it out take it to the information center before you leave today we've got a gift for you at the same time you can fill out the virtual card through the the uh, qr code on the seat in front of you or your neighbor's seat as well love to be able to connect with you answer questions you might have also make a $10 donation in your name to our community partner for the month, which this month is Athletes in Action at Ohio University. And if you'd like to know more about them, there is a table display out there next to the Next Steps area. Love to be able to, to connect with you and give you the opportunity there to embrace that too. Um, one thing I will note is uh, if you have a prayer request as well, we have a, a prayer team that's praying every morning during the, every Sunday morning during the services, both 9 and 10:30. And you can fill this out as well with your prayer card, uh, as, as your prayer card. Give it to the ushers, or if you miss the offering, you can just raise it up, and uh, they'll keep an eye out, grab that for you, and take it down, and they'll pray for you down in the chapel. Uh, we're still kind of working through the logistics of that, but I'd uh, love to pray with you today. I pray for you today. Also, some other displays you might have noticed, and these are some things that are detailed in your bulletin. One, Operation Christmas Child is upon us. It does seem early. We recognize that. But to make sure that we get all the boxes back and uh, packaged and shipped and sent where they need to go uh, by Christmas, we need to start early. And so if you have not already, we encourage you to to grab one of the boxes out there. Take it maybe with your family or maybe some friends or roommates. Fill that and bring it back Uh, There's some instructions there on how to do so. Bring it back to the table by November 12th. We'd love to to have you participate in that. Also, next week, and I'm pretty excited about this. I actually was a little bit late coming into service because I was over on the kids' uh, end of the building. Got to go in and and address them for just a moment and uh, remind them as well that next week is Family Fifth Sunday. And so what that means is since there's five Sundays of the month we're going to have our service here together. It'll be the whole family here together. We will have both services, both 9 and 1030, but uh, all the children will be in here as well. And so what that means for us as adults is, one, to have a little bit of, of additional grace for maybe a little bit of noise that might be going on around you, but also it's an opportunity for us to be able to, to show the children, here's, here's what service looks like, um, and here's how we worship, and at the same time to learn from them. Here's how they worship, and this is the way that, uh, that God speaks to them as well. And so it's a great learning experience for the family to come together. And then afterwards, after second service, I should say, we'll have a dinner, family dinner. And you are all invited. Everyone's invited to come. The only thing that we ask of you is that you would register by Wednesday this week. And you can do so by scanning that QR code, or there's also a sign-up sheet out there in the lobby too. We'd love for you to participate in that. And then one final thing I want to mention, this is in your bulletin as well. As we've looked at how we can integrate prayer more into the life of our church, one of the prayer ministries that we're adding and that we're kind of moving into is one that uh, that brings forth an opportunity to capitalize on some of the, um, the skills that we have and the gifts that we have within the context of the church and then also in a context of fellowship and beyond. And so one of the, the, the ministries is a prayer shawl ministry. And so if you are one that knows how to knit or you'd like to learn more about that or you'd like to know more about this ministry, I want to invite you to join Petey Bowen. She's going to be leading this ministry for a discovery meeting on Tuesday. And so if you want to come, it'll be here at the Church excited for you to be part of that. She's also going to be out at the info center after service today. And so, if you've got questions today you want to ask, she'd be more than happy to answer those. But excited about this ministry. Uh, another way to integrate prayer, and then also another way for for many to be able to come together and use their skills and their gifts in fellowship as well. Well, I mentioned earlier that this is our final week of Who's Your Plus One. This is the final week of this series, and. For me, I don't know about you, but for me kind of walking through each of these steps and having some interaction with many of you about what this is, it's interesting to note the way that God has revealed people to me and revealed people to many of you as we've talked about this, of people that have poured into you, people that you desire to pour into, and just the way that God has created us to live together in unity. And so as we look specifically today at this Who's Your Plus One, it is intentionally an on-ramp into Family Fifth Sunday, which is next week, to recognize the Who's Your Plus One of the people in our life that God has entrusted to us. Not too long ago, I was at an elementary school choir concert, and there was all these children lined up on the risers, and they were all there just singing and, and having a great time, Well, some probably having more of a great time than others, but they were all there, I will say that. And then as I looked at them and I looked around at all the parents and all the little cameras that were set up and all the people that were there, grandparents and aunts and uncles, I couldn't help but think about all the people, all the, the adults specifically in this case, but not necessarily uh, uh, in, in every case of having um, a, in a person entrusted to you, but all the adults in this case that had an impact or are having an impact on the children that are standing up there singing. And the amazing thing is that for us, that God gives us the opportunity as human beings to be able to have people that he entrusts to us so to speak that he gives to our care so that we might be able to pour into them maybe as a parent or a grandparent maybe as an aunt or an uncle or an older sibling maybe as a coach or a teacher or even as a peer in some regard but God has entrusted people to us and so the question that I ask now is who has God entrusted to you God has given us very specific detail. In fact, one of the key verses we're going to launch from today is Proverbs 22, 6. And it says, train up a child in the way it should go. And when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. And so the call for us is to recognize that God has entrusted individuals or maybe one individual to each of us and given us the opportunity to be able to step forward and embrace that through teaching that person or those people about the goodness, the nature and the character of the God that we love, that we serve, and that has created and given us the gospel, the good news. We're going to look today specifically, as we embrace this question, at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. We're going to read primarily chapter 2, but chapter 1 is the on-ramp for what it means to embrace this passage. And it picks up specifically in the chaos of uh, the book of Judges, where sin is reigning in the hearts of the people. All the people of that day have found themselves in this place of of recognizing that the world is different from what God's righteousness proclaims and desires for his people. Probably something we can somewhat relate to today. And so he sees these these specific people and recognizes that in the context of their righteousness that many of them are still coming with genuine asks, genuine desires through their their prayers, through their petitions, through their, their crying out. Through, through song, through praise, but also they're crying out through laments. And here we find in the, the beginning of uh, 1 Samuel, this woman who is a devout follower, she's righteous, she loves God, but at the same time, we see the fact that in the context of this both grief and joy, this woman named Hannah is desiring to have a child. She's desiring to have someone that God might entrust to her. To be uh, uh, her heir, to be someone who would support her, that would someone that would take care of her. Because in that time, it was much different than what we see today, which is the recognition that in, in those days, a woman without a son or without an heir, specifically uh, as her husband might pass, which would be the case uh, for, for this story as time would, would pass, there would be no one to take care of her. There would be no one to take on the family name. There would be no one there to be able to support her in that day. And so she prays fervently to God, Please bring me a child. May I have a son? And finally, in God's goodness, he brings forth an answer in the the form of, Yes, you may have a son. And so he gives Hannah this child. And as a result of this great gift... Hannah writes a song. In fact, in poetic form, she writes a song, which we're going to read today from 1 Samuel chapter 2. And this song is one that recognizes the plight of the day, recognizes the reality of the, of the things that they're dealing with in that moment, in that time, but also praises God in the midst of all that's happening. And so as we explore this passage today, we do so in some ways, being able to relate to the fact that there is a darkness, there is a fallen world that we are living in. But at the same time, the goodness of God is there. And you and I have the, 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 the commissioning, as we even did last week, the commissioning of stepping forward to be light sharers, salt givers to a world that so desperately needs the good news. And so we explore this passage with both the posture and the practice of how one should engage and embrace the trusted people that God has put in our life. Can I just say it before I even read this? Just one more thing: the people in our lives, those that uh, that God has placed in our life, they are a gift. Every person in your life, every person in my life, is a gift. And if we're to liken that specifically to the gifts that we might receive, maybe for a holiday or for a birthday. The, the worst thing in the world that we can do is reject the gift that God has given us. Or maybe at the same time, the second thing, and it's tied very closely to this, is not just reject it, but abuse or mistreat the gift. And so as we look at each person that God has given us as a gift, we recognize there's a purpose, there's an intention, and there's a trust in us to embrace that gift as something that matters far beyond this world. And so the story begins in chapter 1, the prayer is asked, the child is given, and so then God gives this child, and and the response is is this song, this theme that Hannah has, starting in chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I've only got one hand free, so bear with me for just a moment. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord my horn is, filled, is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There was no one holy like the Lord, there is no one besides you, there is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has many had, who has had many sons pines away. And in verse 6 it says, the Lord brings death and makes alive, he brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He turns the lights down, but he keeps on reading. (laughs) That wasn't in there. I, I added that. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven, and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home, this is Hannah's wife. Home to Rama, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli, the priest. So this is this is a song that has some pretty heavy themes. This is not a lullaby that you would sit and you would read to a child or you would sing to a child. It's not something where she was necessarily singing it to uh, her child, but instead in this case, she was singing it to God recognizing God's provision amidst the sin of the world, recognizing his desire, in this case, to bring grace to the people that were not living righteously in the case that he had called them to do so. But in all of it, she's recognizing the fact that the posture to which we receive and we embrace the gifts that God has given us, particularly the people that he entrusts to us, there is a reality and a result to that. I'm not sure if the the slides are working. Are they up? Yeah, we're good to go. The first one is this. I'm just going to Keep, go ahead and put it up there if you guys can. All right, we're good. We're good on that end. Um, the first one is this. God opposes the proud and exalts the humble. In fact, in verse 3, once again, it reads like this. Do not keep talking to so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. And then and jumping down to verse 7 and 8, it says, The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. There's a recognition here that God sees the pride or sees the proud and he humbles. And at the same time, he brings forth an exaltation of those who are already humbled, who come before him saying, God, you are God and I am not. Now, I know that the, the game that most would attribute to breaking up most families is Monopoly. Everybody can attest to that, right? Let me just tell you, there is a close second to Monopoly. And it is a card game and it is a single name card game called Uno. Anybody ever heard of this game? Yeah, my boys and I, we, we like to play Uno from time to time. And one of the things that I found about Uno is the cards that are, that are just a number, that, that uh, just have a, they're just a color, a number, they're not as much fun as the cards that are reverse, skip, draw four, draw two, right? Anybody realize these other cards are a little bit more powerful? Well, from time to time, we'll play this game, and normally what we do is we take all of the good cards, the money cards, and we add those to the deck. And so we've got a deck that's about twice as big as it should be, but it's got a lot more fun cards in the game. And one thing that my boys have recognized, just like I learned a long time ago, is you want to keep your draw four as long as you can. And so because of the fact that there are so many in the game, it makes it difficult to recognize when you are going to be the last one. Because we play another thing called stacking, which means if someone puts a draw two, you can put a draw two and the next person has to draw four. Or you can put a draw four, the next person puts a draw four, and the next person has to draw eight. And one particular time, I was feeling quite prideful. I had two draw fours in my hand. And I thought to myself, as soon as someone lays a draw four, I'm going to throw the next one on them, and we are going to get the next person the draw eight, which was one of my boys. And so one of my sons, he puts down the, the draw four. He throws out a color, which is meaningless because I had a draw four too. I throw mine down. My next son laughs. He throws one down. So we're now at a draw 12. My next son throws down another draw. So we're at draw 16 at this point. And if you get 16 cards in Uno, you're pretty much done. But I had a second one. And in my pride, I slapped it down laughing, okay, draw 20. And just as I did, my son threw down another draw four and then another draw four. And I had so many cards in my hand. You know, I recognize this as a, a funny illustration specifically as a game, but sometimes in life we might find ourselves in a place where, okay, I got this figured out, right? I, I know the deal. I, I've won the argument. I know what's going to happen here. And there's this pride that sometimes can creep in and sometimes even subtly it might creep in in the places where we believe to be the most in or the, the, we have the, the most value or we know the most about something specific. And what Hannah is, is calling to the readers of that time, calling to the readers of this time and all time is this, that God has called us not to step into this world or relationship or anything that we do with pride, but instead to humbly say yes before the creator of all. And so the implication specifically to this point is simple. Live out and instruct humility in the hearts and the lives of those God has entrusted to you. I can tell you it was humbling to me to have my boys laugh and point at me as I picked up nearly half the stack. And the reality is, how do we do this in real life? What does it look like? When we read what Hannah talks about here, she talks about this gift that God has given to her. But we don't, what we don't see in this passage, and you may read on, is that when God gives this gift to Hannah, he also calls this child of Hannah's to step forward and to be a leader within the context of the temple. And so what that means is she is going to see her son, which she cried out for, she prayed for, very, very little. Which means that she's probably going to see him maybe once a year because she'll travel uh, for, for the festival. Maybe once a year she'll see this son that she cried out for. And so what does humility look like for us? It means that we put our children, we put those that God has entrusted to us before the Lord, even before our own wants, needs, and desires. And so, in the reality of what that plays out as, is, is you know what? Maybe uh, what we want for our child is for them to be a really su- successful athlete, or we want them to be a really successful musician. And what that means, when God said is, look, I, I realize that they have these talent. I realize that they're really good at this thing. But what my desire is for your child is that they would maybe serve in a specific way, or step forward and use their gifts in a way that might not be the way that you had intended. But what God calls for is for us to humbly say, God, I open my hand to whatever you have for my child, for those that are entrusted to me, for my grandchild, for my niece, my nephew, and I say yes to you and however you call, whatever you call me to do. I liken this in some regard to the concept of giving versus stewardship because they're not exactly the same thing. You see, on Sunday morning, oftentimes we give, or maybe you do so virtually online, which you can also do in that regard. You give to the church. You might give 10%, a tithe. You might give an offering to something specific, or you might give an offering just in general. When you give, that's done, right? Everybody recognizes that. When you give, it's done. It's over with. But stewardship, on the other hand, is what you still have in your grasp, in your control, under your control. And I can tell you, it's a lot easier to simply just give and be done than it is to to steward what God has given you to continue to keep under your possession to use to further his kingdom. It's a lot easier to give the 10% than to give God the 90 that you still have, right, at home. All right, that's unpopular. Let's move on. It's interesting that Hannah doesn't shy away from defining the the current temperature of the culture. In fact, the second point is this. Despite the evil decay of the world, God is at work. And that's the thing that I love so much about the way that she embraces this, is she doesn't just stay in the doom and gloom of what's going on around her, but instead she says, look, God, I know you are still moving. I know you're still at work. In verse 9, it reads like this. He will guard the feet of the faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. What an amazing thought it is to think about the fact that we know, you and I know, God wins. We know that in the end, God wins. That the idea of a fairy tale isn't necessarily true in this in this world, and in, in, in what we experience here in this world, but it is true in eternity. Because God wins. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13 talks about how we push into God, how we teach our children and those that are in our care about God. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of children. And the point that goes along with that is that God, let God teach them. Give God the opportunity to be able to be the one to share the truth. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so once again, Hannah gave her son to the Lord and and in that emulated the example of what it means to give all that we are. And so the implication there is this, teach those God has entrusted you to honor and love God first. In the midst of the darkness of this world, in the midst of the, the place in which you find yourself today, teach those that God has entrusted you to honor God first. Another great way to do this is to let him do the teaching. To let him share the basics. To let him share the, 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 the foundational parts of all of it. In all things, the foundation is one of the, 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 the key things that you typically don't see, but it's the most important part. You don't always see the foundation of a house. You never see the footer of the house unless you're the one putting it in. And therefore, if it wasn't there, if it wasn't in that place, the house would crumble. And the reality of our lives is the foundation that God is desiring for each one of us and desiring for you to pour into and to bring to the life of those that God has entrusted you to is to bring a foundation that points to him first, to honor and love God first. I remember a specific video that I had to watch for, uh, it was a, a tutorial on wrestling. And, and, I, and I, I remember at the time, it was a VHS tape, so it's been a while. I remember at the time watching this video, and the thing that was most important in the video, in fact, the video was about an hour long, the thing that was most important in the video, it took 45 minutes, was just to show you how to uh, start the match with your stance. And there was two different options. There's sugar foot, which means you have one foot out, and there's square stance, which I don't prefer. So there you go. But the reality of it was, here, here's the most important thing. All the other stuff doesn't even matter. It doesn't, you, you won't even get to that if you don't have a good, strong stance, a good, strong foundation. And oftentimes the thing that, that's most necessary when we look at the, the reality of what it means to be called of God is that we attempt to try to pour that foundation or bring forth a foundation that's not, uh, that, that, one, is, is, is subculture or it's, it's part of the culture, but two, it's not necessarily of God. It might be good, but it's not godly. I I remember a professor once that was teaching about what it means to be called to vocational ministry, which means to to be called to to serve as a a pastor or as a missionary or or as a, a lay pastor or some kind of form of stepping into what God has called them to do within the context of the local church or the mission field. And I loved being able to hear this because he actually literally wrote the book on it. This professor wrote a book called Call of a Lifetime, and his name is Keith Jury. And anytime somebody comes to me and says, hey, I may feel called to vocational ministry, one of the first things they do is say, hey, I want you to read this. And we'll walk through the context of understanding in a biblical fashion what it means to be called to vocational ministry. And in fact, I was excited even over the past couple of weeks. uh, This past week, we voted as a local board of administration to approve the the journey for Joe Robinson. You guys might know him. Uh, He's the one that's in charge of congregational care here at the church now. He's feeling a sense, a call into vocational ministry. And so we're excited to bring forth the opportunity for him to experience this. This new foundation, this new understanding, learning from the foundation. And so the implication, once again, is this. Teach those God has entrusted you to honor, and to love God first. Can I just say, if you think that you're distracted, I am a little bit too. But here's one thing I recognize. Anytime, especially when we have tech issues, anytime that happens, I know that that means the Spirit wants to say something. And I know that it's important. And so I encourage you, just like I'm going to do the same, to push in even more. To listen and to embrace what God has. And I'm going to try to finish this uh, strong, and I'm going to try to finish it Embracing God's goodness and his direction. So how do we see God at work in the, in the darkness? How do we see God at work in the brokenness? What do we teach? This third point is this. God's plan to redeem the brokenness of the world is through the atonement of the Messiah. The atonement of the Messiah, the, the the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ Himself. Psalm 127, 3 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Again in verse 9, and then in verse 10, it says, It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn. Of the anointed. And the implication is this make Christ your exclusive priority to instill in the hearts and lives of those God has entrusted to you. Again, getting back to that foundation, the most key, the most pivotal thing. You know, here at CCWC, we desire to come alongside parents, to make you, parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, the champion in the, in the context of, of your family. Because our desire and our recognition is hey, we know that you're going to spend a lot more time with your kids, your grandkids than we are. Typically, we get an hour, maybe two on a, on, a, on a given week. And so the reality is, we want to make you the hero. We want to come alongside you. We want to partner with you. It's not just about sending your kids to us and saying, hey, figure it out. You know, when I was a youth pastor. From time to time, I would get that. Hey, my kid's been acting up. They're 17. Can you fix this? Like, well, you've had them for 17 years. As long as there's no tech issues, I get their attention for 10 minutes. And so we look at this idea of investment and what it means to invest in the context of ministry. For us as a church, we want to come alongside you. In fact, next week, I'm so excited during Family Fifth Sunday, we're going to have two pastors, Pastor Ray Seldon, Pastor Mary Seldon. They're here today, but they're going to join us on the platform. We're going to do a commissioning. And one of them is totally committed to children's ministry. The other one Part of his role is going to be over a developing family ministry, which means far beyond just kids and youth, but developing the family together and recognizing within the context of the family is where God can bring forth the opportunity for his goodness to be proclaimed. We also have Bibles available all the time. We we recognize the greatest gift that we can give, physical, tangible gift, is the word of God. We've got Bibles at the Info Center. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible or you know someone who doesn't have one, you can take one. They're for you. Take it. Take it. Give it. Read it. Study it. We have children's Bibles. On the other end, if you'd like a a Bible for a child, and and that was one of the first things that Pastor Mary asked for when she came, was, hey, can you just order a Bible for every child, so I can give out a Bible to every child? What, were we going to say, no? (laughs) And certainly in in 2012, 13, 14, as they're leading up to it, this church was way before I came here, this church took the time and had the vision and the the understanding that if we are going to continue to grow, if we're going to continue to see the kingdom needs met here in this community, it's going to be through families, children and youth. So you built a whole side. I don't know if you've been over there. If you haven't, if you have no kids, you might not have ever even been over there. I encourage you today to walk that direction. But the other side of the building, the other side is entirely for kids and youth. We've had a lot of babies born in the last couple of months, which is exciting. We're growing the church, right? organically. And, and one of the things that, that I, I just want to make known is every bathroom on the first floor has a child uh, changing station, uh, aside from this rear bathroom back here. Every single one. Additionally, we're, we're almost done with it. Right now you can use it, but uh, there's not a live feed in there yet. There's a, a, a room in the, the, the women's bathroom on this side for nursing mothers. If you want to go in there, you can. We've got the, the service streaming in the lobby. Uh, if you'd like to go out there, because your child might be uh, need a little extra attention. But we, we believe in families. In fact, let me just say this. One of the things about Family Fifth Sunday is it's not just an opportunity for our kids' ministry volunteers to get a week off. That's not it. We want our kids to be in here with us. We want them to experience what it means to see mom or dad or grandma and grandpa or aunt or uncle or older sibling. What does it look like for them to, to sing, to give, to fellowship, to embrace the, 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 the word as it's, as it's shared, as it's read. What's it mean to respond to the word? So here's the call that I have as your pastor and your brother in Christ. Why don't we join together? Because you and I both know it takes a village. Why don't we join together and, and help our kids experience the good news of Jesus? Why don't we make it a priority in all aspects and all ways to say, look, I don't know exactly what's happening out in the world all the time, but what I do know is the foundation is true and God has poured it. Verse 11 is, a, is amazing to me because this is the, the final straw, right? This, this is dad coming back. He went home to Rama. But the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. And verse 11 brings everything into context because it recognizes the parents said, you know what, this is God's child even more than mine. This is God's child. He loves this child more than I do. I want to say one more thing. Children, if you're in the room right now, perhaps you're an adult child. You recognize, hey, I didn't grow up in a home where my parents, they had any faith in Jesus. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in a place, you know, where we we have to have humility of heart honoring our parents even if they don't follow God and so the encouragement is to honor them to reveal God's goodness through your humility to continue to step forward and, and be that voice for them loving and, and, and bringing forth opportunity for them to see his goodness in fact Ephesians 6 chapter 1 Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 reads like this children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well for you, that you may enjoy long life on earth. And trusting those that God has entrusted to you is a a selfless act. It really is. And when we take this posture, we must recognize that God's ways are not always our ways. Often God's ways may seem puzzling, may not make sense. But God knows what's right. God knows how he's, how he's going to work. God knows what he's going to do. Even if he calls one of our children to, to go off and minister in a far off land as a missionary, he knows what he's doing. And so here's the final question, and it's going to be a two-parter. The final question looks like this. First, who has God entrusted to you? And here's the second part, and this won't be in your bulletin, but I want you to think about your response. How are you entrusting that child back to God? How are you entrusting that person back to God in a way that honors and affirms his goodness, his power, his might? I want to close in prayer. And when we do, I want us to do something with a a physical posturing that also has a a spiritual implication. You've probably seen the pictures before when someone has a child and oftentimes what they'll do, and it's gonna be hard for me to do because I got a mic in my hand. So I'm gonna set it down for a minute. I'm gonna hold it like this. To hold out their hands with their baby, their newborn's child, the, the, the head in their palms, right? Hold out their hands as if to say, this is a beautiful gift I've been given. And so here's what I want to do as we close in prayers. I want to encourage you to do the same, to hold out your hands and maybe envision in your hands someone that God has entrusted to you. Maybe it's been a long time since you've had that newborn, right? Maybe you're looking at a grandchild or maybe you're looking at your child who's grown now or in high school or middle school. And you're like, you know what? They're not that precious little newborn anymore. But God has still entrusted that child, that person to you. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew. Maybe it's a younger sibling. Maybe it's a neighbor, a student. But at this moment, in this time, God has brought forth the opportunity for you to sing out just the same way Hannah has, to bring forth the foundation the same way she calls to in the midst of the darkness of this world to call out and to say, God, we thank you. I thank you for this gift. Thank you for entrusting me. So would you cup your hands if you're so willing and pray along with me in spirit and heart, maybe even verbally if you'd like to. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the people that you've put in our life. We thank you for the fact that even throughout the context of this series, we've looked at who's your plus one in a lot of different ways. We've looked at the people, God, who have poured into us, the people that we've come alongside, maybe even looked at some of the people that maybe have taken away from us but have still allowed God to proclaim goodness in our midst. God, we thank you for the children, the people, that, those that you've entrusted to us, whether they be spiritually child, children or maybe physically children or both. But God, we do so with cupped open hands, not gripping that, that, that child or, or bringing forth an opportunity in any way, in any aspect to say, God, it's my will and my way. But instead, may we be open to your goodness, recognizing the way that you move, the way that you work. God, we thank you for Hannah's prayer. We thank you for the, the song that she sings, for the reality of the truth that's behind it, God. The fact that we acknowledge the, the darkness around us, but also, God, the fact that we acknowledge the goodness that you bring. The salt and light that you've you've allowed this world to experience. God, may your son bring forth the opportunity for each of us to experience your presence. And at the same time, may your spirit speak loudly, boldly. May it be unmistakable, Father, when your spirit speaks to us and brings us into a right relationship and understanding of you. God, when we think about the VIPs, the who's your plus ones in our life, may we embrace the call and the example of Hannah to trust you with those you've entrusted to us. In your son's name that we pray, and all of us said together in his name, amen. Would you hear this verse as a, as a commissioning benediction today, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. No better truth to walk out with for those that are being commissioned to go and engage in those that God's entrusted to you. Go with God, he'll go with you. God bless you. You're sent out. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.